0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, near or far, high or low. You're listening to the Coach G Podcast and listeners, we are starting 2022. This is the first podcast of the year and listeners, I'm super excited to have this guest on. But listeners, you know how we do on the Coach G Podcast. We have to introduce these high level athletes the right way and make sure that they feel at home. So without further ado, let me cue the music and get my best Commentator voice on (laughs) listeners stepping on the court at six foot five by way of Mackay Queensland a center who is a three-time WNBL champion Two time WNBL All Star Five and was a 2017 WNBL Defensive Player of the Year, as well as competing in the 2014 FIBA World Championships with Australia with a bronze and also competed in the FIBA Asia Cup, bringing home the silver in 27. And listeners, the list continues to go on. She was also a part of the national team at the 2020 Olympics in tokyo and her profile also has her playing in the wnba for the la sparks but she has now found a home in the wnbl for the canberra capitals listeners please give a huge welcome to (laughs) mariana
1: (laughs) thanks for having me on
0: of course of course i mean first off i need to say because i mean during this past couple weeks i've been um catching up on some of the world cup qualifiers so first Mm. off you know a, a huge congrats to not just you your team the whole country of australia qualifying for the world cup so a huge congrats
1: yeah, thanks. It was um, a really fun experience, and I mean, we'd already qualified beforehand, so we knew, you know, we didn't have pressure on us. Right. But um, it was still a great chance and a, a wonderful opportunity to play against some of the best teams in the world, and especially, you know, in our pool, we had a team from Europe, a team from Asian-style player, a South American team, so it was like ideal conditions for us to, to really get some really good practice games. So, um, yeah, we, we loved it. It was, it was awesome.
0: Right. And I mean, just before we even get into it, just, you know, how would you describe, you know, your your physical and your mental right now?
1: Yeah, look, I think um, I'm feeling pretty good. It's nice. Uh, <laughs> I've had a, a really good uh, last, I guess, eight, nine months and, and haven't had any injuries. I've been on court lots. Um, I'm currently playing in France for basket long nice. and Nice. Uh, yeah, enjoying every moment of it uh, and mentally, physically feeling really good and Especially, you know, um, having some time with, with some Aussies again was really nice <laughs> like, and I enjoyed that. <laughs> oh,
0: good. Now, I mean, you, you have quite a, a very well decorated career, if I might say so myself. But, you know, before we kind of speak about the player that you've become over the years, if you could, Mariana, kind of just take us back to, you know, a very young, shy, mm-hmm. maybe even, you know, a shorter version of yourself and kind of just uh, take us back to where was you and if there was, who was that first person to put a basketball in your hands?
1: Well, so I grew up in Mackay, like you already said, North Queensland, mm-hmm. um, a town about a hundred thousand and a little coastal city um, in Northern Australia. Right. Uh, Yeah, migrant parents who'd come to Australia from Bosnia-Herzegovina, and um, yeah, I had a pretty good childhood and, and, you know, I was very active and my parents always encouraged us to play sport, and um, it came a point in time where I remember my parents saying, hey, you're pretty tall, (laughs) Um, you haven't tried a team sport uh like what do you feel about basketball and I said yeah I'll give it a go and okay um for some reason missed my first practice showed straight up to the game and oh wow and, uh, Ariana came ready to
0: hoop okay yeah, I'll see you straight <laughs> I'll to see the game
1: <laughs> um and it, but it was fun like straight away it was I really loved it just because it opened me up to a whole nother world outside of school you know whole new group of friends, a right. whole new kind of community um, and the basketball community is a big one and a, a brilliant one and I, I love hanging around um, ball- like ballers. Now you see, I,
0: actually, I'm, and you- I'm not even going to lie because you're, you're kind of better than me because I remember my first game and the listeners know this like pretty much word for word but I remember my first game Mariana and I was sweating bullets like and to make it worse (laughs) like my teammates they're just because they're already used to it they're making layups making threes now as a rookie it's my term in in the layup line so I'm thinking you know let me just take a three in hindsight I should have been like you know let me just start with baby steps (laughs) get a layup get a little feel for the groove you know try and get calibrated then go for the three I take my first three brick it and oh I was absolutely nervous so for yourself to kind of you know being uh, thrown straight into the deep end and not only obviously you know everything didn't go smooth but the fact that you enjoyed it and you know it was fun for you that just speaks volumes about you so that's dope
1: Yeah, it was cool and, you know, I, me being a very tall, young person, I was told just to stand underneath the hoop and stand okay. up at the tree. So that right. was very easy to do. Right. But I definitely remember my first points I ever scored. It was, um, you know, back in the day, we used to have the three jump circles and it was after one of the jump balls, they tapped it to me. I just turned around, pivoted and shot it and I went in. Nice. That was my first <laughs> points I ever scored. Oh, Remember my goodness.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and kind of describe, because, I mean, you know, from a lot of people that I speak with, um, especially who live out over in Australia, I mean, especially now, um, you know, Australian basketball is definitely huge and it's getting even more bigger as the years and the seasons continue to go by. So for yourself, I mean, for those who might not know, how would you compare the basketball scene when you was coming up to where it is now?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I just used to play all the time. Play, nice, practice and nice. play so much. When Especially growing up and getting a bit older. like I started when I was eight. Right. But, um, you know, when I got to the age of representative teams, we had our little Makai representative teams and then then you had like uh, development programs that you'd be a part of. Goalship. Right. And then and then it was like a little state, like half of the state program, then the full state program. So I was like training every day, um, playing a couple of times a week, cause I was always playing up for my age and that sort nice. of thing. So I'd, I'd play like probably three games a week, um, train every day, sometimes twice a day. Wow. <laughs> it was pretty hectic actually, but I really embraced it and loved it. And I think that's really what made me tough and who I am today is because I just, Kind of put myself out there and wanted to to play as much basketball as I could, and you know I wasn't very good when I was young either. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> that's worth mentioning, listeners. But yeah, <laughs> I mean I was just a tall, lanky kid, you know. but right, um, right. And I kind of didn't really like blossom into my shoes until I was about the age of sixteen, seventeen, okay. when I got the chance to go down to to Canberra to the Australian Institute of Sport. Um, And that's really like when I got great opportunities and got to improve to a whole nother level.
0: See, so you kind of got me thinking now because I mean, I know just in in terms of, like you said, you know, state to state, you know, I mean, Australia is a huge country and there's so many different Mm. areas and there's so many different styles. I mean, you know, from the age of eight to when you said about 16, 17, where you really started to get comfortable playing the game of basketball and being comfortable in the position that you play, how would you describe if there is any differences between how one side of Australia or a state might play basketball compared to another side? Ooh, that's
1: an interesting question. I mean, um... I grew up in North Queensland, and it's a very big state. So, I would be travelling every weekend to games. So we would have um, a lot of a lot of kilometres. Like the closest city that we'd play at was. You know, um, we'd have training camps and they'd be in Townsville, which is a five hour drive away, or Cairns, which is Oof. an eight hour drive. Then okay. once a year we'd drive down to Brisbane, which was 12 hours. And, you know, it was, it was quite regular and normal for me to do that. Um, and it wasn't until I came to other states that I thought, oh, that's actually like, um, it's pretty luxurious that you guys can just <laughs> play so many games right. in your own city and, right. and train all together. But I think that kind of, added to, um, I guess, difficulties and and the ability to bloom later because people in, say, Victoria or Sydney or um, the bigger cities, they can play a lot more and a lot more frequently a higher quality of basketball just through pure numbers, you know. A lot of people playing the game, you've got quality competitors. and so that that kind of, I think, allowed me to bloom a bit later, which I think was a good thing in the end because I still had so much more to learn and to grow. Um, nice. But in terms of playing styles, I mean, Oh, with Queensland, man, we didn't do very well. No <laughs> I love the honesty. We, oh, we came ninth, 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 and then sixth one year. And okay. then finally when I, because that was when I was North Queensland. See, we had North and South Queensland because wow. we are all country kids, you know, we're not. As skilled as the other kids and <laughs> right. so when we got to combine for all of queensland i finally got a second and a third in the national championships that okay. was pretty cool um nice, <laughs> nice. but yeah typically victorians always dominate because victoria is definitely the basketball state of australia there's so much basketball down there it's really amazing and incredible um but then you'll get you get different states every now and then there Victoria basketball is very much like a press, full court defence. Okay. Um, just okay. kind of like, I think our team had like 40 turnovers against them. You oh, know? man. Just kind of <laughs> overwhelmed teams and they did it so well. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's definitely a, a trait of theirs. And Interesting. Then New South Wales typically have some really good shooters, I think. Um, yeah, some good scorers and. Queensland, we were out there just trying to work hard. I hear you. Get the ball over halfway, you know. I hear
0: you. I hear you because it it was interesting to me because I guess that question for myself or even that um, awareness didn't pop up until 2017 when um, I was fortunate enough to be the head coach for the London regional team so we traveled up to Manchester and it was it was at the time it was quite um weird because I didn't know that you know players who come out of London have a certain style and how people from yeah, right. Manchester or up north or down south how they view London basketball and at the time <laughs> it was very much oh they're only street basketball players, they like to play one-on-one when I heard it I was like Hmm, interesting. So in that um, team talk, I was a little bit more animated and a little more, right, guys, look, I want us to, yes, show our individual skill, but at the same time show that we can actually play team basketball. And it kind of just, even till the I I think, I mean, I mean, basketball in the world is completely huge and you have more and more players playing it, but how they play it and how they're taught can vary from state to state, street to street,
1: country to country. So it just really fascinates me. Absolutely and i you can see clearly from all over the world the different styles of playing basketball you know I played in in France and it's a very kind of uh, defensive orientated structured offense kind right. of set up here um, I played in Turkey it was more definitely offensively focused less kind of rules and structure um, Australia is kind of like an up tempo, kind of a mix between a Europe and the United States. You know, like to run the floor a bit, but then also play team basketball. Right. Um, whereas the states, I think, is a bit more individual one-on-one basketball. Right. Obviously, you have exceptions to the rule, and different sure. teams will play differently. But yeah, overall, it's kind of like that. It's really interesting.
0: Right. You see, and see, I'm not gonna lie. The the, the nerdy side really wanted to get into the details of that, but I'm like, coach. It's a podcast. Take your time. We're going to eventually get to that, you know, so let me just take my time with it. But I mean, especially one thing that I want to bring up that I'm super curious about is, you know, as a part of your early player pathway, you earned a scholarship at the Australian Institute of Sport for basketball, where the squads actually competed in the W. NBL. So yeah. for yourself, one, um, how was that journey leading up to that? And two, how did those early experiences playing at that level shape you for the future?
1: I mean, that I really think the AIS is amazing and nice. it really set up my career um, to be what it was because... It was just the environment where you could train every day with the best in your age group in Australia. And we really grew as players and grew to understand the game a lot more. And um, yeah, it definitely shaped who I am as a person and a player. Um, right. it, it was an incredible experience. and. You know, at the time, there were also a lot of other athletes from all different sports there. Right, um, right, And everyone was, you know, sharing experience. It was a lot of fun as well. And, you know, still did school at the same time and um, eventually university because I went there when I was like 17, 18. So I finished high school, um, started university and started working a little bit too, which, which was cool. And it was good to find that, you know, work life. Um, basketball balance right. um, for the first time, and also living away from home, court, like has a, a lot of challenges as well. But of course. Um, yeah, going back to. Uh, we were 17, 18-year-olds competing against women in the WNBL and it was Goodness pretty me. pretty cool, pretty incredible. <laughs> you know, our, our first game, we had a really good group. But okay. Our first game that the WNBL, we won on like a half-court shot. Oh, and then
0: we couldn't be better. Goodness me. Jeez. <laughs> it was Jeez. so good. We were
1: so pumped. But then we lost every other game that uh, season. Hey, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Half court shot, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. But it was it oh, a really great experience and it really helped us grow. And we just got better and better. And then by the next year, we actually won, I think it was eight games. And okay. we just missed out on finals, which was really cool as a bunch of like 16, 17 year olds. Right. Um, but then, like, for the next few years after that, at the AIS, they kept getting beaten a lot. So, I think it, in the end, they pulled them out of the WNBL because I think the standard of the WNBL kind of increased as well, right. and the gap kind of became Starting a bit to widen, like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. So. Okay. But yeah, I was fortunate in that we did actually get to compete against women at that age. And I think, yeah, it really did help us. See, so how
0: was those um initial practice sessions? Because, I mean, it's it's quite interesting to find out because, I mean, you know, speaking to so many guests, they kind of, you know, tell me and the listeners, you know, they went from being the number one option in high school to now, OK, now I'm on the court in this trial session amongst other number one options Mm -hmm. for their school and you know some players have have found quite a difficult time adjusting in terms of not you know you're not always going to get the ball in your hands or you know what i may have to be a shooting guard or i may have to start off on the the defensive end for yourself how did you you know not only adjust to that type of training session but find your new role within the team
1: Yeah, for me it wasn't so bad because I never had such a big role in my, you know, Queensland teams or, you know, I think that kind of came a bit later but okay. at the same time like just the different style of training and how it'd work, it was really cool and special and challenging. I mean Oh man, at practice, myself and uh, a few of the other bigs used to battle hard. Like, oh, we would, yeah, we we would be like physically beating each other up every I practice. Love it. And, but it, it great. was great. And, you know, yeah, exactly. One of the players I'd play against is Kayla George, who now... I play with in the in the national team. We have such a great relationship, but um, I think those years when when you've got people that you push each other, that right. extra bit, I think that really That's really key. helps to for all of you to grow. You know, if you, if you don't have that, then how are you going to get better? Very true. And so I think we were there like fighting all the time because we all wanted to do our best for the team, wanted to do our best for each other, and. Yeah, that definitely made us better. So, I mean, if you had to
0: look back, I mean, and it could be even a super recent memory or a memory from way, way back when you first started. Cause I feel like every athlete, Mariana, has that moment where they, they just knew that they was meant to play this sport. So for yourself, if you had to go back, when was the moment you realized you was nice at basketball. Was it you diving for a loose ball, calling a timeout, getting a block, making the game-winning shot, or making the free throw to ice the game? When was that moment for you, Mariana, when you realised like I could really go far with this and I'm really meant for basketball?
1: Um I think it was Yeah, that's a really cool question. I've never been asked that before, but <laughs> I remember a game when I played for the AIS and the WNBL, and we played against Perth. Okay. And I just had like a ripper game. I I can't. I think I had like 27 points Eesh. or something. And and it was just a lot at that age. And, you know, I never, like I said before, I never had big roles like that. So I'd never been in that kind of role before where I was one of the better scorers in the team. So it was a really cool experience. And like you said, that really, you know, woke me up to say, hey, I can make a living out of this. But at the same time, like, I mean, even in year five at school, I remember our teacher asked us what we we wanted to do when we were older, went around the class, you know, that that normal question that you always get. And I remember saying like, I want to play basketball for Australia. I want to go to the Olympics. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, five
0: Mariana, yeah, oh my you're five. gosh. Okay. You was locked in from early. Wow. <laughs>
1: wow. Okay. Yeah, I was. And like I mean, for me especially, like basketball was a place where I could, you know, fit in and feel normal because I was always tall. I was so much taller than everyone else. And as a right. girl it was like really kind of you, you stood out a lot and I just yeah. wanted to fit in and so, so basketball was that place for me and so I really, really loved that part of things.
0: Do you reckon that's um? Because you just kind of touched on the point that, I mean, especially at that age, I mean, to to have those thoughts, that means the upbringing or the influences around you was very supportive and you kind of had examples to look up to because the kind of... Here in London, I mean, it's definitely changed from when I first started. Like, you actually have players, both men and women, who actually want to either play or they want to get a scholarship or they want to play for the... GB team or you know they want to play pro whereas before because we couldn't really attach a name to a face or we we didn't really have it or the league wasn't that great that idea wasn't even possible so around that time what was kind of happening that kind of gave you that hope and that motivation to actually think and know that you can actually reach the stage
1: I think you know I never really watched the NBA or WNBL, even um, right. but I did watch the Olympics, the Sydney okay. Olympics was, okay. was really cool and really special and that's kind of really when I was starting to fall in love with basketball and so I think that was a big part of, of me wanting to do this and, and make it, um, you know, get there to that spot. I think that really inspired me. I had local players um, in the QBL, the Queensland Basketball League and just watching them play was great and I ended up playing with one of them later on but I also had like in the back of my mind or I'd heard about a player, Sandy Brondello who'd also come from Mackay, um, my hometown and she was a four-time Olympian, played overseas, uh, amazing player, and right. so I thought, you know, if if she can do it, then why not me? You know, indeed, and indeed, yeah. I think I think that did really help for sure. And I mean,
0: she's probably arguably one of the best shooting guards to come out of Australia, no?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's
0: that's that's. Oh man, I love it. I love it. Now I mean, it, it's a huge honor. Two, I mean, it's one thing wearing a jersey that has your town or your college, university on it. But to, you know, play international basketball, to sing that anthem, to have those colours and that country across your chest. One, again, what was the journey like leading up to that stage? And how would you describe some of your first experiences playing international basketball where you're competing against the top 12 you know players for their age group
1: Mm. yeah um yeah unbelievable it was so cool and special to be able to put on the australian jersey for the first time and i did that for the junior world championships in 2007 right yep um 2007 we, and we had a great team and it, it was so so special um, and challenging and tough at the same time you Out know because Aussies, Aussies have that attitude of being kind of the underdogs and battlers but I yep. think now the way that we've played and performed over the last 10, 20 years, I think that's changed a bit and we're no 100%. longer the underdogs. Everyone, like, 100%. comes ready to play against us. Come but, on, boomers. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: It just came out. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Get them. No, it's all right. He's my guy, so love them. Oh, um, my goodness.
1: Yeah. So, like, so putting on that uniform is so special and, you know, yeah. Especially, like, even for me, My parents grew up and and lived in Bosnia-Herzegovina and and they moved to Australia to give us kids a better life. And so, you know, that that made it even more special that I was making the most of my opportunities and, and doing everybody proud. Not only, you know, my family, my parents, my brother and sister, but like the community, the whole Mackay town, the everyone around you that's had an impact in your life, all the coaches like you, Coach D, you know, anyone that's impacted your life, it makes it so much more special and it kind of validates them and all the hard work that they've put in as well whenever you get to wear the green and gold.
0: How would how would you describe? Because I, I find it super curious. I mean, you know, being here in London, I mean, international basketball fever is literally our next door neighbours in terms of watching teams. And it's even great, you know, and, I, and I'm sure the listeners are happy to finally have not just the men's, but the London Lion women's also are competing in the yeah. Euro Cup, which is great to see. And you can kind of tell, you know, how someone plays. You can kind of get a small inkling of, where they came from, you know. When I think of someone who plays in LA, I kind of think they're kind of they're gonna be cool, calm. They're gonna have that swagger. They're not, they're not gonna trash talk too much, but they're gonna have a certain demeanor. Whereas if they're from New York, they're gonna trash talk, but they're gonna back it up. And one, no blood, no foul. So, how would you describe, you know, and you know, how would you describe the city's impact on your playing style? Uh, which city? Oh, I would say, oh, can I even say Australia in general? How would you describe, Yeah. you know, yeah. just some of the ethos uh, yeah, that definitely. come along with it?
1: Like, I think, um, especially being a bigger person, it's challenging to be good on defense. Okay. And that's something that I have worked on my whole career because Australia is known for that. That's something that we are proud about and we like to play defense and you have to play defense you know right and so i think that's the first thing and and can't, that comes with that is like the hard work and the grit and the determination yeah, you know go. just going about business um with that kind of just yeah the determination those no distractions, that focus that you can kind of see on someone's face. Right. Um, and no matter what the points difference is, we're always going to give it a crack. We're, we're not like um, ever giving up or, or letting games get away, you know? I think that's kind of what Aussie basketball looks like to me.
0: Right. And you see, just in terms of, you know, kind of making that pivot into you turning pro. Um, what was that transition like in, in terms of, was it something that you really wanted to do and what was the opportunities like at the time when you made that decision?
1: Yeah, so, um, when I finished at the AIS, I got the chance to, uh, choose between a few different WBL clubs to play for, um... Right. I ended up choosing to go to Canberra one because the head coach of Canberra was also the national team head coach. Okay. Um, two because they just won the championship the year before, and three they had a really good team. So I thought if I'm going to get better as a player, that's mm-hmm. the place I wanted to be. It wasn't. It wasn't definitely wasn't about money, um, right. because I mean the league was definitely semi-professional at that point, and I had I was studying and working at the same time as playing while I was in the WNBL at the start right. and um, so yeah that was that was definitely my focus to go to the place where it's going to afford me the opportunity to grow as best I can and I was playing and training with um, you know Tracy Beattie, a big 6 foot 9 girl, uh, Lauren Jackson, Oof, legend, star, jeez, yeah yeah. Um, Abby Bishop, who was also an amazing player at the time. So I had some really quality bigs to go up against at practice. And right. it wasn't necessarily like, I mean, I was coming off the bench, of course. My role, you know, was different compared to the AIS. But I was happy to be there and, and to learn from some of the best players. So um, I think that's really important for... young kids out there is to think about their decision making and think about what's going to help them grow the most. 100%. Um, Because you don't ever want to stop learning. Very true. I think, yeah.
0: Very true. And I mean especially playing at the international level, how would you say not only physically and skill-wise how you've gotten better as a player, but how has your IQ increased in terms of reading the angle of the screens, rebounding, where the help defense is coming from, how to attack the zone, weak side rotations, how has your IQ, you know, sharpened over the years?
1: It's, that's something that just comes with practice and time, I think. Right. Um, and it, it definitely has, especially defensively. It's like knowing that I'm forcing someone one way and they're going to take that way, but I'm ready to be there to defend. Or, you know, the the rebound's most likely going to come long over the ring. Um, uh, where players want to catch the ball when you're passing it to them. What's the best pass to make when... Um, someone's got a taller defender on them or a shorter defender. It's it's just things that you learn through time and through experience. And that has definitely helped me a lot. And, you know, different players and coaches will impact you in different ways and you'll learn different things. Right. um, Yeah, I I think uh, you learn something from every situation that you're in. And IQ, yeah, it's definitely something that comes with time and practice um, right. but you have to make a conscious effort to do that as well because if you if you don't want yeah if you don't want to learn the game <laughs> there's no point you know you, you're not gonna get get it you won't understand it. so right. um and but yeah my game definitely developed like skills wise. I was starting off my career when I played first played for the Canberra Capitals. I was a back to the basket big only I could never shot outside. Kind of was told not to shoot outside because that wasn't my role, you know. Right, right. Whereas when I went to play overseas for the first time, that's when I actually started to explore perimeter game a bit more. Okay. Um, Started shooting it a bit, um, even driving it a bit later on. And um, I guess yeah, like I spoke about before, my defensive footwork, just being ready. One big thing too is like knowing the scout, and that's something that you kind of learn. Yeah, as a professional athlete, is knowing players and what their tendencies are. It's really important to listen to the coaches <laughs> because they've done a lot of work beforehand, and so they're trying to help you as much as they can, and and so um, to give you the best possible chance to succeed. And so if you you do what they say most of the time, that yeah. Something's going to come. And I think at the start, because I'm the kind of person that likes to do what, you know, a coach says to me. And I, at the start, I would kind of get overloaded with so many messages. And it would be like, if you're, I, how can I do this and this at the same time? Um, But that was a skill. I definitely learned to go, okay, this is the message that they're trying to get to me. Like we're doing, we're doing a push and under so that the, the guards, don't get to the ring. You there know, you it's go. not a... It, the, the reason behind it um, and the overall concept has helped me to kind of understand coaches a bit more and that's something that definitely develops over time too.
0: Right. Right, and you see, listeners, like, don't get it twisted because I'm telling you right now, Marianne is being super humble, but if you watch the highlights, if you watch her previous games, playing for the World Cup qualifiers, when she does get the ball, she is an absolute problem. But I think that the a fascinating thing about your... Role And this kind of, you know, brings me to the question of, you know, there are some players who aren't that dynamic yet. They haven't found that, you know, shooting touch or they can't, you know, get that shot off just yet. And they're thinking, you know, well, I mean, how else can I contribute to a team? How would you tackle that question in terms of, you know, how the fact that you can actually contribute to a team without just only scoring, you know? Because I kind of say that because, I mean... I, I like how huge basketball has grown, but then it kind of needs to be a balance of, you know, you're not always going to see uh, highlights of someone setting screens or someone mm-hmm. rotating on the help defense or getting the rebound. It's more about scoring. So for yourself, how does that athlete contribute?
1: For sure, it's, it's so important because there are so many places in basketball, like you said, that you can contribute. Right. Um, and you can make teams solely on how well you do that one thing like right. someone who is the best rebounder in the league right. like you want them on your team because when it, it's tight at the end of the game you know they're going to get a, either an offensive rebound to give you another chance or a defensive one to lock down that stop 100% and that's something that one of my teammates has said to me um, earlier in my career, Tali Bevilaccai, and she was a great role player. You know, she wasn't that gifted offensively, but I've never seen anyone take as many charges as she has. Wow. You know, she just had a skill for it and a knack for it. She would get in that lane and take that charge, put her body on the line, and every time she'd get it. And, I mean, she she went, she played in the WNBA, she played in WNBL, and, um... I think she made her first Australian Opals team at the age of 34. Um, wow. Or even That's later, impressive. maybe 36. I'm not sure like, how, exactly how old, but it was late in her career. And right. so you never can um, give up on the chance to learn and grow and get better and keep developing those skills. And like 100%. I said, I developed an outside shot after years of practice. Um, the perimeter game you can change your game and but even saying that like just because you don't do something great it doesn't mean you're not a good player you can dominate in other areas as well Mm -hmm. um you know just watching Serbia play in these qualification series that just happened right and looking at Yvonne Turner Yvonne Anderson sorry um she you know, is not the best outside shooter, but she got to the paint every time and she has 30 points. So you don't have to be a great outside shooter to be able to score even. You don't have to be a a great scorer to make a team. You could be that lockdown defender and you're going to get the ball for your teammates every time. You can be that person who makes 10 assists a game, you know, Mm -hmm. and just thrives off those amazing passes Um, that's why basketball is great because you can have so many different roles in it and and your role can change depending on what team you play in that's true one game one team might need you to be that inside big one team might want you to shoot outside a little bit more you know it can change and, and if you're flexible and willing to learn and grow and adapt you can do great things 100 100
0: and how would you say i mean especially you playing in so many different leagues professionally, how would you describe um, some of the differences and the similarities between, you know, playing in the WNBA versus FIBA versus the WNBA as well?
1: I think, um, I mean, even here where I'm when I'm playing in France, the French League, uh, the way the games are refereed is different between okay. the French League and the Euro League. Like oh, too, your yeah. League is definitely more physical. Yeah, <laughs> I've <see> it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas, and that's that was the same as the qualifiers that just went. um yep. You know, our our World Cup qualifiers were so physical. Very. I every game, I was <laughs> yeah. like, wow, there's a lot of battling going on out there. Right. Um. But but it's it's good to know that in advance. Um, right. But yeah, every every league is very different. And France, you get a lot more calls. You. If you do go up strong, you might get the chance to get an and one more more so than than other you know leagues or or games um, in Australia. I think uh, I think the league is tough in Australia because there's so 100%. many strong teams. I think uh, there's only eight teams, but the top six of them are always Solid. so close and so tight. Yeah, very. <laughs> you know, very... so it makes it really interesting and and. Uh, game to game can be so different you know in a three-game series you can have a different winner um, regularly I don't think it's happened with it one team won two games very often at all. And right. um, you know I've been fortunate to play in um, multiple grand final series and yeah have won four championships with uh, with Canberra Capitals and so that's been awesome and you know even having different players in your team we had one year we had um, Olivia Pooper from France and Kia Nurse from Canada and nice. they brought something different um, and some international aspects to Australia that kind of we hadn't seen before. You know, right. Olivia Pooper, the way that she could steal the ball and then get full court layups was just awesome and I loved just sitting back and watching her go like, get, <laughs> get, <laughs> college, get those two points. right? And then, <laughs> Then Kia, like her grit on the court, oh, her like, um, the way she's kind of almost talking trash or yep. <laughs> like some, something new that Australia doesn't really see much of, um, but it, it kind of enriches your experience and it's cool when you get to experience something different like that
0: right and i mean just in in terms of you know experiencing something different i mean again just kind of re- reflecting back to our previous conversation in terms of having the opportunity to represent your country and go to the tokyo 2020 olympics even though the atmosphere was different uh again what was that experience like and even you being a professional do you um i feel like this is a silly question to ask but do you still get nervous at times or are you kind of not numb to it but you kind of know what the roller coaster ride is going to feel like if that makes sense
1: Yes and no like I think I I will definitely get nervous um the first game especially anywhere but okay but you kind of you've been through it all before you know it's part of the rhythm the process your um I don't know the way you prepare is always kind of the same. So when you go through those motions, you feel confident and in the fact that you're ready and, and prepared. Right. Um for some reason one of the most nervous times that I've ever had was when I was playing in the WNBA. Um,
0: wow, okay. Okay. Yeah, like
1: I uh, I would get the sweaty palms and um yeah, like I, th- I don't know, I don't know why that was that. Especially, maybe it was because there was a lot of people. Uh, maybe it was because it was so tough there and challenging. Right. Because WNBA was so um, so physical, so skilled um, that it made it challenging. Like every day, you weren't seeing the same kind of things. It was always. Um, Something new, and and so that was exciting as well. But I guess that that made it a bit more nerve wracking, right? Because <laughs> it was a bit more less un- less predictable, right? um But yeah, definitely, especially any time you put on the green and gold, you do get those, you know, pre-game butterflies. But yeah, you can kind of work through them normally through your routines and and right. how you prep for the game. See, so I
0: mean. How have you? And I'm asking this question because I think this question came to me during the start of the pandemic, and and uh, listeners know this, Mariana. But for me, the pandemic didn't hit until the NBA stopped. Because when I first heard it, I, I was a bit naive. I, um, naive. I was like, okay, maybe it can't be that serious. But when they said, okay, the NBA season is on pause, I was like, wait, skirt wait, time out, wait, 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 what? Are you serious? And literally. When I was at home for those months, I was like, okay, it's cool, I can I can watch The Last Dance, that's about basketball. When that finished, mm. okay, let me watch some old fever games, that's about basketball, you know, let me go to some coaching clinics, that's about basketball, to the point where I had to be like, okay, let me take off my coach D hat, and what does Demi- Demetrius like to do? So, I mean, <laughs> for, for yourself, how do you balance Mariana the player versus Mariana mm-hmm. the
1: person? Yeah, uh, that's really important, um, I think, in anyone's career. Right. Uh, I, as kind of a side product of being a female basketballer, I went through the whole process of, you know, not having a full-time basketball job, so having to have other things on the side. So when I first was playing for Canberra, I was studying university, so I got a Bachelor of Sports, Coaching and Exercise Science. Nice. Um... But and I was working at the same time and when I started working I was doing like random jobs. I worked at the paint place in Canberra, which was the shop selling paint. Okay. Um, I worked at a sports store selling, you know, sports clothes and gear and I think that was really good because it gave me a whole different side of focus and a whole different lot of experiences which helped me to be more rounded as a person and um, Yeah, it kind of showed me a different side of life, Um, but then at the same time when I did get to play fully professional basketball, it made me so much more grateful for it and just I loved the ability to just play and focus on on basketball and um, I did that for the first time when I came to to France um, in Europe to play. And nice. yeah, I, I loved it, loved every minute of it, um, had a great great group of teammates and coaches as well. And so I kind of went from having that point in my life where I was hating basketball and struggling <laughs> with the grind to right. like falling in love with it again. Nice. Um, I love and that. Yeah, it, it was just so cool. And I'm so, so happy that I made the decision to do that. And, Yeah, it's good to know and to realise that everyone goes through those ups and downs, but um, you can still find positives and you can still find your way out of it as well. Right. Um, But I think I went completely off topic then. (laughs) No,
0: no, no. (laughs) You good. (laughs) You good. I mean, now I think there's, well, there's many things that I would like to know, but just in, in terms of, again, you know, being coached by coach Sandy like I said who is I mean arguably one of the best shooting guards in all of Australia and what has it been like to be coached by her and what are some of the biggest teaching points been that you've learned from her over the years as well
1: yeah I think um Sandy is so great because she encourages a a work hard attitude but also like a friendly enjoyable atmosphere to be in because you know training camps with the national team can be so stressful you know everyone's trained their whole life to try and make this team so everyone's fighting with each other as Talk hard about. as possibly can mm-hmm. so it's actually great to have that experience where you still get to enjoy it at the same time as, as working really hard she really like instilled that coach culture and that was really great um yeah in terms of the way that that what she's taught us and, and the things that she's brought. I think her when she first came to Australia, at, at her, she first introduced me to kind of more stunting um, on okay. defense, which I'd never really seen much of before, and it took a while to kind of adjust to. Right. And it was like stunting the stunter and and helping because you always have your yeah, split line positions. and right. Some teams like to deny. Some teams play more of a pack defense, but. Yeah, it was more more the stunting stuff that I'd never really seen before. So that was something that was cool to, to learn and see and experience. Right,
0: right. And just in terms of, again, because you kind of mentioned something that I don't think um, not a lot of players take into consideration just in terms of the the unseen grind of a professional athlete in terms of, I mean, you know, spending time away from home when you wanted to stay home, relax, you have to get up, grind, stretch, treatment, tape, weight room, you know, all these things, you know, come into consideration. So for yourself, Mariana, what would you say is, you know, some of the things that is considered a unseen grind of a professional athlete? Yeah,
1: for sure. There's, there's so many and like, family and friends is a big one like that I since I was 16 I've seen my parents like maybe once or twice a year every year since I was 16 like if that you know like I barely have spent much time with them and -hmm. that's purely from a decision point decision on my part to put myself in the best position to play to perform so it's like well I, I can't really live at home in, in Mackay and do that you know like I, I have to be playing elsewhere or in the best training spot I can be in the best training situation so that's a big one and then like on the friend side of things missing so many people's weddings. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) I get that. Or even funerals, like, and and some people don't understand, like, oh, it's game. Why can't you just miss it? You can't. Like, yeah, it's it's, true. It's your job. It's It's true. Really important. You can't just um, leave and go whenever you want. It's 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 a big deal um, to play every game. So, but yeah, that's that's challenging, and and. Makes it tough at times because um, you miss out on so many special moments. But, you know, I make that choice because I see how special basketball is and, and how much um, enjoyment I can get out of that. And, and, yeah, I really love that as well. I guess right. um, another unseen grind. Yeah, with, like you said, like doing... So the past year I felt great, but before that I hadn't really like rough couple of years from the age of like 26 to uh, what am I now 32 so yeah 26 to like 30 31 okay I was injured for so much of that time I did two ACLs I had a foot surgery I um I had plantar fasciitis problems like a long a lot that's of those
0: battle wounds dead. right there man that's a soldier oh, right there man
1: man. <laughs> man like it yeah it's tough and the man. rehab rehab part of it is
0: yeah that's harder no than no joke anything else no joke you know?
1: like for real it's so long and um it's so tough and challenging but then it makes you appreciate it when you are back on court as much mm-hmm. as possible. So now I'm just loving it, loving life being back and really enjoying it. Um, and I think it's especially because of those you know, tough years that you do spend away from the court, that, that you do enjoy it more. And, um, but yeah, those rehab days are long and you go in there and you have all those crappy little exercise, like rehab, you know, like the balance board stuff. You really don't want to do it, but you know you have to. (laughs) Otherwise you can't get back out there. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) But yeah, it's those little things like, um, you know, I'm, what am I, 32, 33 this year? Um, You know, I have a partner Dan who he was a basketballer as well Nice. and we had probably for our first what 8 years we did distance you know we've been together since the AIS and um yeah because I was playing he was playing we both you know had our own careers that we wanted to follow it was we spent so far and so long away from each other, but now you know he stopped playing um, five or six years ago now, and and it's been great. And he's luckily, luckily, he's um been able to kind of be with me for the last uh, five or six years, nice. uh, maybe more. And you know, nice. while I'm playing, he's kind of yeah, just being there for me, which has been so lovely and I made bet. a huge difference as well. And it just makes the experience that much more special.
0: Nice, nice. Now, you see, just before we get into the third and fourth quarter of the podcast, which mm. i like to call the quick hit um, hitter segment, just got some questions here for you in terms of what would you say is the top three qualities of a leader?
1: Ooh. I mean, number one has to be communication, right? Understood, um. 100%. <laughs> You have to be able to communicate in the right way, at the right time, with the right people often enough. Um, And listen as well, I guess, yeah. Communication, listening to everyone around you. And then, I think just holding yourself to a high standard.
0: Mm, I like that last one, 100%. Mm hundred percent yeah and in terms of um this could be skill set or on the mental side of things what would you say are the top three things every basketball player should have
1: Ooh. Or ment- i think mentally you have to be able to move on like mm. you can't dwell on your mistakes or the turnover you just threw or the missed shot that you just had or you know, you have to be able to move on and move on quickly. Right. Um, uh, I mean, going back to my basket, my um, basketball background from being an Aussie, I think you have to have a want. To play some sort of defense, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, just
0: something, just something, you know, a little something. hands up, contest, box out, something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly, you. you don't have I to be good you. in every area. <laughs> you don't have to get 500 steals a game. Right. To bring something. On yeah. Defense.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> um,
1: and then I think, honestly, I think the ability to listen to your coaches, your teammates, what people are saying to you is really important because you're not going to grow without being able to do that
0: right right understood understood and the final two before we get before we get into the quick hitter segment is i mean especially you you know, playing at playing sorry at the professional level. You've been in so many different environments, training camps, workout sessions. Mm. How would you describe um, what a good basketball culture or
1: program should look and sound like? Mm. Mm. Definitely um, a kind of together, united culture where your common goal or your dream is bigger than any one individual. There we go. That's key. Yeah, hands down, most important. Everyone needs to buy into that too. Um, Because when you all kind of understand that and have that focus, then you can do anything together. You all want the same sort of thing. So I think that is really important. Um, And... there could be so many different things again like the communication side of things but right culture i think just um to understand who you are and to respect other people Mm, okay yep okay i hear that and the final
0: one is i mean for from what you feel comfortable sharing you know just in terms of any highlights that stand out to you the most, but also, what was some of the lowlights that made you a better player and person?
1: Um, highlights. Uh, one, I mean, a recent one was at Tokyo Olympics when we beat Puerto Rico by more than 26 points because we yeah. had to to be oh, wow. able to make the quarter-final yeah um that was really special i mean we started terribly and then kind of pegged it back and ended up like winning by 27 or 28 points and it was it was just so cool and so nice. special. It really like <laughs> kind of savior moment for us um, Right. but before that i think my favorite uh memory personally was from the 2014 world um we just had a, a really good group of players and I think everyone got along really well, had no um, you know, drama or anything. And right. it was a really great tournament for us. Like we did so well in all our round games, got through quarters and then had to play um, USA in the semi-finals and ended up just losing. But then we played Turkey for the bronze medal in front of the Turkish crowd and started off on a easy. No, it's not. No, easy. It's not. <laughs> we started the game. We started the game on a 19 to zero run. So Man. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Um, a really, really cool experience. And for me personally, like I played a bigger role in that tournament because uh, Liz Cambridge was um, injured, and so uh, that kind of threw me into the starting lineup. And. Right. You know i I played really well and then from that i got the experience i got the ability to play in the WBA after that because um i was scouted from that world you know so yeah one of my personal career highlights for sure
0: right right and just a, a special shout out to liz cambage because the one thing that i like is she'll she'll trash talk but she'll back it up and she's fearless like and her game just continues to get better season to season so huge shout out to her for sure for sure. And, you know, kind of making a pivot now into the quick hitter segment. What would you say, Mariana? Um, the first question is a skill that is taught by many, but only mastered by a few. skill that is
1: taught by many, but only mastered by a few. Um, I mean, shooting.
0: <laughs> okay. I like that. Yep. Understood.
1: When you're talking about really masters, because they're so like, if you look at everyone's shot, everyone has a different shot. Very true. You know? <laughs> Very true. And so every coach like li- likes to teach it, but I I mean it's hard. It's hard because everyone has different arm lengths, different biomechanics, different sure. strengths in their body. Sure. You know it's it, it's so individual, um, and I think it's the people that find what works for them the
0: best right okay and the next one best piece of advice you ever received
1: um this is not a bit of advice but <laughs> it's a, my favorite quote and i heard it from the movie coach carter another Oh okay we are I, I like this conversation
0: already talk to me <laughs> talk to me let's go
1: um the quote is that you, just because you deserve something doesn't mean you're going to get it you mm. have to take what is yours 100% so, yeah i love that
0: one 100% i like it next one if it wasn't for basketball, I wouldn't have learnt filling the blank about myself.
1: Oh, uh, if it wasn't for basketball, I don't think I would have learnt how to be confident in myself. Interesting.
0: Okay. Mm. Okay. Why do you mean that?
1: Um, I just think that it's given me so many opportunities to like because I was a really shy kid tall, lanky, uncomfortable, you know, tried to hide from people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> and basketball just kind of like, I don't know, um, brought out the strength in me and, and, you know, just the, the pl- through playing a team sport, you have nice. to be vocal, you have to be out there you have to talk about things and I think that's a really important skill that i learned, learnt and so that has helped me to, to be confident and you know the outgoing person that I am nice nice
0: and the final one be, be, before we end the show with the fourth quarter is and I'm super curious to get your answer on this one what would the title of your autobiography be
1: oh Oh um (laughs) (laughs) what what a biography. A tall story.
0: Ooh! Wait, no, wait, 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 time out, time out. You thought that way too quickly. Nah, 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 nah. There must be a book that's on no, your no, shelf no. that is called The Tour Story. Nah. Wait, no, no, time out. Because I've, I've asked that question before and the athletes have pondered and been like, but you just came up that was so quick. Like, I <laughs> well, love, I that. I oh, love yeah,
1: that. I love that. You know, that is my so well said. To- last name's Tolo, I'm tall, Uh, it's a story, so I mean it's perfect.
0: Oh man, that is so, okay so let's just kind of play with this a bit, what would you know there's a kid who's you know in Waterstones or they're in your bookstore and they see, yeah, um, do you Mm -hmm. have that book by Mariana (laughs) Tolo? Yeah, yeah. Just go up the stairs, turn left, can't miss it, so they see this book, (laughs) they look at the front and they turn to the back to look at the preview what would those first couple sentences oh. say oh okay
1: um, <laughs> um oh man now I've set myself up <laughs> first, first answer of the question um um
0: would it start from the beginning, the middle, the end, where you wanna go? I mean there's there's so many directions to take it.
1: Yeah. I mean yeah,
0: no. <laughs> to be continued it sounds like
1: <laughs> yeah. <I love> it. <laughs> life life is a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, come and explore mine. Something okay. like that. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: I like that. Listeners,
0: in a store near you, okay? So, (laughs) look out for that one. Right, we're going to finish up with the fourth quarter. We're going to have a little bit of fun. So, Mariana, what I usually do with our special guests is I give them 10 seconds and they need to name five things. So, for example, I might say, Mariana, I'm going to give you 10 seconds to name five nba teams and when you hear this okay. countdown ten, nine <laughs> eight, that's when you just start seven, seven, listing six, them off five sound good okay yep perfect good. perfect okay now let's start nice and easy so mariana you have 10 seconds to name five nba players <laughs> okay ten nine
1: eight seven six five Oh, Four, do you hear the three, countdown? Three, yep. Two, okay. Two, one. one. Okay. Michael Jordan, uh, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, um, Kyrie Irving, and right. Pat Mills.
0: Pat Mills of oh, ACC. Oh, oh, hey, listeners, listeners, can we just demonstrate the loyalty? Had to get Patty Mills <laughs> in there. I love that. Had to. <laughs> to. Of course, but you see, but this is where the listeners are going to rip me. So I am going to say how it is, is once I play that, Countdown, you oh, have to sorry, list them sorry. Yep. before okay. the well, a yeah. Cool. Okay, okay. No, no,
1: no, no. we're good.
0: No, no. We'll, take we'll take it. Okay. Next one. You have ten seconds as soon as it starts to name five NBA teams. Okay. Go for it.
1: Ten, LA Lakers, nine, LA Clippers. Eight, um, seven. The six, Chicago five, Bulls. Here we go. Four, three. Two, uh, two more two more. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Blank. I was thinking New York, but then that's not their
0: name. So, <laughs> me. it's so good. It's so. You know, what? I'm gonna be biased <laughs> because my favorite team right now is the Chicago Bulls. Yes, listeners, hey. the Chicago Bulls. We're doing fantastic, but that's a whole other conversation and a whole another podcast that I'll probably get into. Right. <laughs> last few. Now, this next one. How I'm good gonna... was the last dance? By the way, I just have to say quickly. Oh no! So you got three.
1: Out of the no, no, so sorry, I said, how good was The Lost Dance? Just oh, about about,
0: oh my know. gosh, I absolutely enjoyed it. Like, oh, yeah. absolutely amazing. Right, so, so this next one, I'm going to give you the heads up. Guests in the past have kind of fumbled these names a little bit, only because <laughs> these names are mentioned, but usually at a certain point of the season, you know. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you that much of a heads up so let's see how you tackle this one so mariana you have 10 seconds to name five nba coaches Ten, oh,
1: bill jackson nine. here we go um Seven, Six oh, no. five, five, <laughs> four, three, i can see faces two, greg popovich here we go uh, <laughs> i'll take the two
0: I love how you started. It was like through just, and they went, oh no. Yeah, and then
1: I'm like, oh, what's next? I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's
0: let's finish strong with the final four left. So, ten seconds to name five international players in the
1: NBA. Okay. Ten, nine, cool. um, eight, Pat Mill. Seven. Here we go. Six. Uh, five. Four, Josh Giddy. Here we go. Um, <laughs> Aaron Bays, not this year. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> I wanted to get it. on my Aussies. So <laughs> <laughs> damn it. Just got injured. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All good. Okay. So the final three should be easy because it's kind of down to personal preference. So let's see how, how you tackle these last three. So you've got 10 seconds to name five basketball movies. Oh.
1: Coach Carter, love his basketball. Yep. Eight, Um, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Damn it. (laughs) Space Jam. Space Jam. I'll take it.
0: I'll take it. Space Jam's three. (laughs) All good. Okay. And the final two before we wrap up. This is your personal favorites. Give me you got 10 seconds to give me your top five players of all time.
1: Hmm. Ten, I mean, Lauren Jackson, I have to say. Of course. Of course. Um, um, five. Four. Uh, three, Kevin Garnett. Two, here we go. Um, yeah, One.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all good? And, oh. Chuck Favre got me. <laughs> The final one, I'm super curious to see how you answer this one. If you do, name five artists that get you hyped before a game you know what no shot clock no shot clock let's just (laughs) talk to me because see now i'm super curious when that was once i don't know i just (laughs) oh
1: i just had a blank from everything (laughs)
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Very so fun though. <laughs> Amazing, right? Listeners, seriously um appreciate your time. Mariana Turlo, seriously appreciate your time as well for being on the podcast. And for the listeners who want to find out what you got going on, you know, just to continue to follow your journey but also learn from you, playing at the high
1: level, where can they find you? Um on my Instagram, Twitter accounts, uh, Mariana Tolu, just my name, was um, just Mariana Tolu, too easy. You can find me there.
0: Amazing, nice, and listeners, don't worry, all the information will be in the description. So, listeners, this is myself and the author of a tour story,
1: Mariana <laughs> Tolu signing
0: out.